Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. Focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, welcome to Mentally Yours. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. And on this week's show, we've got Seanine Malloy talking about self-harm. Seanine will be talking to us about how young people are dismissed when they say they self-harm, how people are often dismissed as attention-seeking for harming themselves, and also how you have to keep wearing long sleeves in the summer, which is something people don't really think about. But first, let's have a little listen to James chatting to us last week about ADHD. Because when you wake up with ADHD, you have more thoughts by breakfast than somebody has all day. And we just wanted to thank everyone who got in touch with us last week about the show. We got this brilliant tweet from Lynn Wilkins who told us that thanks to Mentally Yours, she's rethinking the images she used in blogs and social media. I think because of what we were saying about how we hate the head in hands kind of stock images. So that's really brilliant because I would like to see fewer of those images. Yes, brilliant. And then we also had some reviews as well. And if you haven't reviewed us yet, please do. We'll be greatly appreciative. We got one from 76 Trombones who called us refreshing, said we have loads of honesty and humour, which are all great compliments. So now it's time to chat to Seanine about self-harm. I think the reason self-harm is on the rise in girls is... Uh, probably a combination of things some things that have always been there such as you know the fact that girls tend to internalize their feelings more than men who might um, act out rather than act inwards and it's a bit of a cop-out to blame it but you know social media and, and kind of increasing competitiveness in terms of how you present yourself um, access as well to images of self-harm and descriptions which you know, might not have been so easy to obtain in the past and 
uh, probably a bit of peer pressure as well. How old were you when you um, started self-harming? Uh, 12, which is quite young. I felt, you know, quite worldly at 12. Uh, more grown up than I actually was. And now when I look back, I'm just like, only 12, that's tiny. And I have that kind of reaction now when I hear about, you know, 12 year olds and little kids self-harming. It's, it is at a young age, so. Um, what sort of things were you doing? Just, you know, cutting myself. Uh, didn't really do anything but that. And I, I took overdoses as well when I was older, but it started off just by like scratching, kind of those crap experiments you do, you know, with anything that's lying around, and then it progressed and got you know more severe as I got older. Do you remember how it started? Like, did you learn it from someone else or like see someone doing it? I'm embarrassed by how it started. Um, I read an article in a magazine when I was 12, um, and it was about self-harm and the way it was kind of framed it was framed in a oh you know this is tragic and terrible we're self-harming but my takeaway as a 12 year old was that the fact that the people in it had said it helped me to cope with my feelings yeah yeah i didn't take away the whole kind of this is awful it was like oh really you find some sort of mechanism to you know deal with what's happening to you so that's where i guess i kind of got the idea from so I'd read that and I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll give it a go and see if that helps me cope with my feelings. And yeah, that's how I, no, which is I think that, no, it's not. I think that's really common. Like if you read anything where someone's saying, I was, you know, experiencing really low mood. So I used this thing that helped me, even if it obviously did not help long term. You know, if you're in a desperate position, you're going to reach for anything that you think might help. I think this is one of the the better things about people getting that kind of exposure through social media is it's not couched in aspirational terms whereas when you're reading kind of glossies when you're 12 even though the stories are meant to be warnings they're still in kind of tied up in an aspirational bow because yeah. it's in it's you know the surroundings are well there's someone in a glossy magazine talking about things hmm. um whereas if people are getting information from peers more then they do get a more honest picture i guess that makes sense mm. i hope so be good so when you were 12 um what's the um environment you know what's going what's going on around you um as well in terms of your moods and everything yeah the, there were things happening in my family um so my dad was you know an alcoholic um quite yeah quite a serious one um yeah that ended up killing him when he was like 47 um and that was pretty tough, and I think that was probably the main thing that I was dealing with at the time. Um, my mum wasn't very well either. She had mental health issues. And it was also when I'd kind of started to develop my own. So I hadn't really experienced much before then. But around 12, 13, kind of that start of teenagerdom is when my own mood started to you know, hit the skids a bit, and I started to experience depression. Um, so I was, it was kind of a combination of things that was going on. I was in a really difficult situation at home. Um, there was so much high volume emotion sharing with my dad and my mum. You know, there was lots of shouting. It was very like, chaotic. Um, and in that kind of environment, it's really hard to make yourself heard. You don't know how to express yourself. You don't know how to say, look, I'm struggling here. It's quite close to my siblings, so we could talk. But And you don't want to bother people with your problems as well when everyone else is struggling. Um, so that was kind of where I was at. And then I, I had started to like experience depression. I mean, from like 12, 13 onwards is when everything kind of just went a bit wrong in terms of my mood. Um, 
and you know that it started to have an impact on the rest of my life it wasn't just this thing that I'd kept secret in my bedroom um it started to kind of bloom right into the world and self-harm was a part of it because that was the scary thing people find frightening it was when people found out I was self-harming that was what they honed in and focused on which had a kind of knock-on effect in everything else how not fun I wasn't going through fun times it was bad times how did people <laughs> find out about it my sister found out because she caught me okay <laughs> so that was embarrassing and it was kind of good in a way because she was the first person who found out and it was I feel bad in retrospect because that put her in a position where she was trying to, you know, she was keeping a secret. But it also, to an extent, helped to cap some of the excesses of it because I did try and speak to her when I felt like self-harming. Um, so she, she found out first um, and she kept it a secret. And then um, school found out who the next people because, and this is a bit horrible and a bit of a graphic image, but it was during... Uh, getting school photographs taken, my arms started bleeding through my white shirt. So that was a really nice, public, embarrassing, uh, dramatic way for them to find out I was self-harming. So, yeah. <laughs> How did they react? Were they supportive or helpful? No. 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 No one was supportive. Uh, people's reaction was a combination of things. Um, one was attention-seeking teenager. Um, people were angry there was I'm surprised at how angry people were um and it's one of these things that kind of can sometimes bother me a little bit about every single mental health campaign being like reach out and talk so sometimes people don't react in a very nice way um so no I mean people initially weren't very supportive there was there was just you know oh yeah at the time I think I was 13 um the perception of a stroppy teenager looking for attention um, and to an extent, yeah, it probably was. What's so wrong with that? Yeah, like when you're when you're, when you're when you're suffering, what's so wrong with trying to find attention? Um, which is probably another reason why girls self harm more than boys because care seeking, you know, women are meant to be like the caregivers, and if you're in a role where you're trying to get care, sometimes you feel like you need to resort to dramatic ways of doing it. Um, my family were pretty angry, but I think it was just shock. I think they were just shocked and didn't know what to do. They were just confronted with. Because at that point, when they found out, it, it kind of escalated quite a lot. I think like my mum had seen small scratches on my arms years, like you know, a year or so before, and dismissed it. But myself, I'm escalated quite badly, um, from scratches to you know, much more serious self harm. Not saying scratches aren't serious, but I mean, yeah, you know, more gory, like drastic. Yeah, drastic. So I think some of the kind of anger is just shock. I have no idea what to do with this. Um, I don't even remember if like anyone got counseling or anything for me. I think it was, it was just like people's reaction was eventually okay. Stop doing it. I think it's cut so it out and hiding things like hiding blades and stuff in the house yeah. like that does because when people do that, then you just resort to different ways of doing it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important what you said about attention seeking. You know, like the way that people dismiss sort of, especially sort of younger people with mental health issues is. Oh, that's just attention seeking and I especially that's I suppose that happens a lot with people who self harm and you kind of think, well, so what if they are? You know, if they're attention seeking, that's probably because they need attention, because there's something going on underneath. So yeah, I think it's quite well it's really bad the way it's dismissed a lot of the time, mm. isn't it? And I think with self harm especially, because people relate it so much with 
being a teenager and kind of like when when I was a teenager it was very much like oh that's just what emos do like yeah. it's an emo like cool thing so no one was really taking it seriously at all and I think a lot of people were kind of confused because if you've never had that impulse you don't get why someone would do it I think they react in anger or just complete dismissal mm. yeah I think so and I mean when I was a teenager I was a Manx fan which probably didn't help because uh, yeah self-harming person in the band and that was definitely part of the reason why I did it I think um, because to me that normalised it to an extent where if I hadn't ever had that impulse then I could see why someone else would but um, yeah and it's, it's just this thing where people trivialise the experience of teenagers and children Just and it's you know, it remains nothing's changed in that respect I mean nowadays child and adolescent mental health is getting talked about but that's only because it's become such a crisis in terms of services and that services and the threshold for mental health services for children and adolescents is incredibly high and there's all these other children and adolescents out there who don't meet that threshold who aren't coming to the attention of mental health services but who are still suffering and struggling and you know, being weighed down by that kind of dismissal from everybody that that feeling of their feelings don't matter because they're told all the time they don't matter. It's not serious, it's just teenage angst. This and that. These are formative years when people are forming their self-image, they're experimenting with identity. And you know, teenagers internalise these messages hugely. That, you know, your feelings don't matter and you're an attention seeker and you're this and you're that. And it's not helpful. And I, I guess it's probably why yeah, a lot of people who do self-harm, they you know, stop it when they come out of teenagehood because find different ways to express themselves or it could be because their feelings are given more validation as an adult because adult feelings are very serious and you know feelings not universally but you know adult feelings are you know told to be something that matters and you know you have real reasons to be upset when you're an adult you know your job's shit or this or that whereas teenagers like what have you got to moan about when teenagers are vulnerable and they're often going through shit that adults can't understand quietly you know no I think it's extremely frustrating it's very frustrating what do you think could be done to change things I don't know what could be done to change things I don't have any kind of solutions as much as I mentioned social media earlier in terms of probably being a factor behind why teenage like the cell phone might be in the rise just because you know contagion exposure that kind of thing I think it's ultimately that having outlets like that are, are good because it gives teenagers a space to express themselves um, and to meet other people who have you know, similar feelings. In terms of how adults can validate teenagers and value their experiences, I don't know. I think there has to be a kind of culture change because teenagers look older now, but they're still children in, in a sense. Um, and they have access to things I didn't have access to when I was you know, 14, like the internet, like phones and and money as well mm. um, so they're kind of playing at being adults in a way I think having social media and having space online where teenagers can share their experiences gives those experiences more exposure to a wider audience so teenagers are sharing feelings which might not have been heard by many people before and the more those feelings are heard maybe the more people can or adults can realise that you know, there's something behind them. It's not just angst. It's not just, you know, silly teenage behaviour. How did you move away from self-harm? When I messaged you about this, you said, well, I haven't self-harmed for eight years, which is great. How did you move away from it? It's kind of hard because I just, I got sick of it. 
really. I, I just got fed up. I think the last time I self-harm is when I was 23 or 24. Um, and it wasn't like I'd made a conscious decision to stop. Whereas in the past when I'd been trying to stop, I had made a conscious decision. And then, you know, I would lapse back into it. it like a habit, you know, it was kind of habitual. I just got fed up. Sometimes, you know, even now, because I, I mean, I haven't self-harmed in a very long time, but I'm, you know, I'm quite badly scarred, which I hate. <laughs> but um, I think I just looked at myself one day and was just like, what, what's the point? Like, this has achieved nothing except scarring me, and it doesn't help me feel better. It doesn't change anything. And it, even the ritual of it was boring and hard to do. You know, you need to have a certain privacy and stuff like that. So it wasn't a conscious decision. It was just one day just being really, really fed up and just having enough. And I was kind of lucky that decision came at a time when I was, you know, beginning to recover from some things that had happened and get my mental health on a more even keel. So whether we won, you know, chicken and egg thing, I'm not sure. But, yeah, it was, it was just feeling fed up and it was developing a kind of sympathy for myself a bit, like some sort of self-regard. You know, a lot of the catalyst behind my self-harm is feelings of worthlessness and, you know, I'm shit and, and I, I don't matter and this and that. Um, I guess gradually kind of moving away from those feelings. Not where I was going like, hooray, I'm brilliant. God damn, I'm excellent. But beginning to just feel sorry for myself, not self-pity, but to look at my body and go, bollocks, what have you done? You eat it. Like, this is it. This is your one body, your whole life. And what the fuck have you done to it? Well, just stop it. Just leave it alone just go find something else to do so I did <laughs> um, it's been a period since where I've wanted to do it again I think I've had the odd scratch but I, it just doesn't have the same venom behind it I just can't be asked I just can't be bothered I can't be bothered hiding it I can't be bothered having to tidy up after it I can't be bothered wincing when someone touches me I can't be arsed with it anymore <laughs> I just cannot be arsed so that's why um, and all I, all I moved away from it it's kind of yeah, followed me anyway it's irritating because even though I haven't self-harmed basically most of my actual adult life I'm still treated like I self-harm so every time I go to a doctor every time um, well like when I was pregnant and I had my midwife's appointment and she saw my arms because she took my blood pressure wrote down in the records slashed arms it's like I haven't done it for years and it, they treat self-harm because you have scars as current all the time always so it doesn't you know, even if you've got 10 years behind you 15 years behind you you're still a self-harmer because of the scars um, which really fucks me off because it kind of reduces that achievement of stopping to, to bugger off you're, you're always like you know, it's literal stigma you're always marked by it um, but I was very proud to correct her I was like I have not self-harmed since I was 23 years old and slashed arms is a really rude thing to write in my records yeah. What would you like to say to anyone who has self-harmed or is still sort of in the process of doing that? Are there any, well, I was going to say, are there any sort of other ways to deal with those emotions? You mentioned talking to your sister helps. Um, Were there any other, what would you say to them, basically? Everyone does it for different reasons. It's hard to say one thing to everybody. don't know if this is a shitty thing to say, but when you're self-harming and when you're in the kind of throws of those feelings that make you self-harm it's really hard to imagine any sort of future at all kind of get tunnel vision you're in the moment and just need to you just need to get through that moment and there are other ways to get through the moment you know, there's five minutes and then there's another five minutes and just try and get through the next five minutes not the next hour day year 
uh, go and do something else for five minutes and see if you, if you still feel the same in five minutes, come back and maybe carry you know, self-harm if you need to. Um, and if you do think about the future, if you think beyond five minutes into five years and 15 years, try to think about, if you can, just try to think about what kind of body you want. If you're okay with having no scars, you're in that minute, it's hard to think ahead that what you're doing will leave scars. It doesn't matter if it's somewhere visible, you still have to wear it, you're still, you're still gonna live in it. And to just think if you want to be scarred, and if you don't, is there something else you can, you can do? And there is a lot of stuff online. It's like distracting tools and stuff. If you've got a phone, pick it up. Either ring someone, talk to some Martins, pick up, play some shit game, post some shit on Twitter, watch a video. Just for five minutes, just do something else. That's it, really. And if you are, you know, struggling, yeah, it doesn't have to be forever. I don't think, don't think you're gonna, you know, spend the rest of your life doing it. And if it is something you need to do now and there is no other option, then that's okay. Sometimes that is what you need to do. Sometimes there isn't another option. Don't feel shit about it. Don't make yourself feel worse. Don't feel guilty. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just the only person who you're wronging and hurting is yourself. And that's rubbish. Because I bet you're really nice and don't deserve it. So yeah, hope you're okay. <laughs> and not feeling too awful. Be nice to yourself. Well, we are really very angry about this shit. Yes, we are really very angry about this shit. So, something I'm pretty angry about this week is uh, an opinion that I heard, which is um, apparently that it's possible to pay for mental health counselling privately if you save hard enough. Which, um, yeah, I think there's, there's a few things wrong with that. First of all, I think there's the idea that you should have to pay for mental health treatment yourself like it's some sort of lovely treat, like having a massage. Also, the idea that, you know, if you save up hard enough, then you will be able to pay for it. I mean, for heaven's sake, if you're having time off work for a long-term mental health issue, or if you're out of work, um, or if you're just on, you know, a fairly low wage, then actually, you know, you need your money to pay the bills, pay for food and stuff, and you actually don't have that money to spend on counselling, which is why it's so important that the NHS can provide that so yeah um, when I heard that opinion I was pretty gobsmacked and pretty angry really. I think it's this whole attitude of like you should pull yourself up and keep going and it's like when you have mental illness you can't keep going and you can't like you know necessarily work hard and also a lot of people who have mental health issues are homeless so they definitely can't just you know pull up their bootstraps and get therapy. Mm. It's a complete like reduction of what's actually going on it's completely reductive and just stupid and you know like regardless of like how you know how much money you have yourself you know why the hell should you have to pay for it i mean you don't say to someone with a physical illness oh well you just have to pay for that bit of your treatment yourself you know this is england we've got the nhs thank goodness that's what it's for stupid crap my brain has told me stupid crap my brain tells me now and again is that actually I'm just making up all of my mental health issues and I'm just being overdramatic and I think a lot of that is probably you know from being younger and people saying that not necessarily to me but to other people but it's definitely something that kind of replays in my mind like 
maybe you are just making a big deal out of nothing. Like, stop complaining, stop whinging. That really ties into what Seanine was saying about um, young people, teenagers, um, problems being sort of dismissed like that. Like, it's just a phase. Yeah. And I suppose if you're, if those issues and problems are to sort of dismissed like that when you are younger, maybe that's sort of, you sort of carry that over to a certain extent when I you're think older. So. And I think it's that you internalise those things. So it's not just everyone else dismissing you. It's that eventually you start to take the own message that, oh, maybe I'm not actually, you know, maybe my feelings aren't valid. Maybe I am being unreasonable. Um, and I'm lucky that I'm now in a place where I can kind of recognise like, no, there is a problem. Um, but I think a big part of that is actually getting a diagnosis and getting treatment which helped to kind of prove to myself that there was something actually wrong so I worry a lot about younger people and people in general who don't have that diagnosis and are still thinking like is there even anything wrong with me is this just what everyone has to deal with but um yeah that's a stupid thought but working through it yeah usually I can sort of relate to what you're saying Ella but if I'm honest like with this one one of the very few kind of bonuses I suppose of, of being diagnosed as having bipolar disorder is that you sort of know that I don't know that, that certain things are kind of expected or sort of normal for you I suppose yeah so, and you know that it's not necessarily considered the norm for everyone yeah exactly and I think whereas with depression and anxiety and all that kind of thing it's kind of on a continuum like everyone has bad days and everyone has you know anxious thoughts mm. and it's very easy to kind of dismiss it as like oh I don't really have a problem I'm just in that normal continuum of emotions mm. I think until you actually get a diagnosis or until you start talking about it it's very easy to just pretend like oh no I'm fine like it's nothing serious when mm. it actually quite clearly is oh yeah well I mean I've definitely spent a lot of time sort of definitely pretending I'm I'm fine that's kind of like the key thing is isn't it sort of when you have low mood you just sort of pretend everything's fine and I suppose that's sort of maybe where I can relate the sort of depression side of just but it's, it's actually quite interesting I think to sort of think about and wonder if like for me it's sort of like the other side of things actually thinking well I wonder if actually not everybody but if quite a lot of other people are feeling sort of like this in terms of their mood or do they have these low moods because then it could actually make you feel weirdly sort of slightly better oh yeah for um, sure not that you actually sort of wish this on you know lots of other people but I suppose if you think well you know most people look like they're fine but if other people are sort of going through tough things it makes it easier to handle because yeah. it means you're not alone and also it means you're not a complete like freak and have all kinds of crazy stuff going on it's like no this is a kind of common experience just maybe you're having it on a more extreme level or something like that so it does help to know you're not the only one going through tough things yeah If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact the Samaritans at 116-123 or on their website at samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our brilliant guest, Shanine, and also to Sam Bonham for producing our show and to Lucy Baker for the lovely jingles. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a review on iTunes and give us a follow on at mentallyyours, yours spelt Y-R-S. 
Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 